Welcome back, podcast friends, to I Am Healthy and Fit. I Am Healthy and Fit is the affirmation that begins changing your health and fitness from the inside out. I'm Steve Jordan, your health and fitness coach. Welcome, Melanie Weller, to the I Am Healthy and Fit podcast. It's great to have you here with me today. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. Well, I uh, learned just before the show that you are, we're chatting, you are in New Orleans. I'm in Los Angeles. And we had a a brief conversation that got disrupted by some technology issues uh, that I think would be really just a great start to the the conversation. Um, And New Orleans, first of all, your whole background and what you are going to present today and share with the audience is about uh, sort of a metaphysical uh, energy of, you know, of, of the universe and being able to tap into that so that we can better ourselves from the inside out, from our brains to our on a cellular level, uh, to be the best version of ourselves. And you live in New Orleans, and I have never been to a place that had such a powerful energy over me when I entered into that city. Uh, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sensitive person. Uh, I'm a feely person. I, 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 you know, I would like to say I have, I'm in tuned with my sixth sense and it's an interesting place because I've never felt this kind of energy there before. And we were discussing your thoughts and ideas in and around that, especially living there. So perhaps you can enlighten us, uh, and we'll give a little background into why and how you got into, uh, this area of, of energy work and so on and so forth. Sure, sure. So I think I think the Nor- the energy in New Orleans is heavy for a few reasons. One, I think being at the mouth of the Re- Mississippi River, where we're literally downstream of everybody else in the United mm. States, or certainly a large chunk of the United States, makes a huge difference. So literally, everybody else's stuff flows our way. That's interesting. So, you know, energy is a, uh, like water is a huge conductor of energy and we've, we've been, we've harnessed it as well, you know, to create energy. Um, but we're talking about like a spiritual energy an energy that we can't feel, see or touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also, uh, I am not a feng shui expert, but my, my feng shui expert says that when you look at new Orleans through that lens, that there's no exit pathway for the energy. So basically it's like, we need the hurricanes to clear energy here because it gets very, very stagnant. Mm, that's interesting. And you, that's kind of where we had left off. And I, you know, we've, we've had some very powerful hurricanes in that area. Um, you know, Sandy, the name of one that, you know, comes to the back of my mind, but like, I mean, devastating where people have lost their lives and homes and their whole livelihoods because of these. Um, so in the wake of it, clearing energy, we're also clearing people's, you know, lives and what they are accustomed to. Um, so how do we, how, how do you deal with that living there? What's the, you know, what's the norm? Do people just become accustomed to it or is there a way to channel it or, or ward it off? Well, I think there's, I think for myself, I will say that I have having an energy hygiene ritual has been more essential now probably than ever Mm. for myself. Um, I think that, I think that people that are not from here deal with it a little bit differently than people that are from here Mm -hmm. because my husband was in the Navy for 20 years. We lived all over the world and I've never lived and I've traveled a lot. I've never been anywhere where people's families have been here for just hundreds of years and not just one, you know, not just a few families, but that that's really more the norm mm. here than not. And for a lot of my friends here and their children, they have these stories of where they left and then they came back and we call them boomerang children. It's like, you can leave yeah. New Orleans, but somehow you end up back here. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. And so, and it's certainly part of the charm of the city too, that it's got mm-hmm. this history and I, and, and these really deep roots. And I think, you know, in terms of darkness, I think my name literally means clad in black. And I think that I am uniquely (laughs) like, I really like, I don't have the same relationship with darkness that a lot of people do. So Mm. it doesn't, I don't think it sits with, I may not be the average barometer for how that sits. Sure. 
with people, but I do think that, um, uh, you know, that certainly the alcohol culture and a lot of things like that are, you could attribute to just the energetic density of what's, of living in this area. Sure. And what's and perhaps that's a way that people in the past through custom have been able to manage it uh, and deal with it or, you know, open, and it just became part of, again, like custom and ritual. Uh, would you, would you say that that would be sort of an accurate statement? I, I, I would, I would, yes. I think that would be a fair assessment that yeah. when, yeah, that the, I mean, I think alcohol is, I mean, it's a way a lot of people deal with a lot of things. <laughs> I think sure. that, that, uh, that is certainly one driver of that culture and the, um, and the party culture here in general, general. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, in sharing the, the beauty, uh, of also New Orleans as well is it is a magnificent city. One in which I also never experienced it's, it's culture and rituals and the, the standards in which way people live there through time, like you said, hundreds of years. And in the United States, hundreds of years is a long time. Um, yes. You know, elsewhere in the world, you know, hundreds of years is like a blink of an eye. You know, people, cultures and civilizations have lived for thousands of years. Um, but, you know, just 300 years old here is, is old. And if there's a historical nature of that, that tends to create a, a sense of identity there. It's a new way of being and feeling that people really can, I don't know, find comfort in, if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, New Orleans has been a, I've achieved a tremendous amount of healing here. Mm. And I will always be grateful to New Orleans, no matter how long I stay here. Mm -hmm. I'm not from here. My, uh, we came here because my husband got stationed here through the Navy. And we liked it so much that when he was at the end of his tour, he was able to retire. And so we just stayed. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you to your husband for his service. Oh, we thank appreciate you. it. And for you and to you as well. Um, so let's get into a little bit again, more about what you do and how you do it. Um, you know, free your flow is your mojo, so to speak, right? You help people free their flow. Let's define what that looks like and feels like. What is the what it is that you do and how you do it, but also mm-hmm. let's define flow. What does that mean? Because it's thrown around a lot, especially in the area of, um, of, of a podcast like this, where people are listening to, to learn to be better. Um, uh, their, their high performance, you know, overachievers. Sure. So flow has two major definitions in it. The, Psychology definition of flow is what most people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's where you're completely engrossed in the task at hand, that you lose a sense of time, that you're, um, you know, the things things around you disappear. That it's essentially a, a, a period of hyper focus and you're in, in terms of athletics and performers, it's very much where we're in the zone. Hmm. You know, when, a, when a great athlete or a great actor gives a great performance, that's being in the zone mm-hmm. where every, everything seems clear. It might seem a little slow motion. Like in neuroscience, the definition of flow is that you have less uh, prefrontal cortex activity. They call it mm-hmm. hypofrontality. Hmm. And I use, I've been a physical therapist now for almost 25 years, and I was an athletic trainer before I did that. So I've been working with people's bodies for the better part of 30 years now. And what, and very early in my physical therapy career, I ended up with people who had not found success in other places. Mm -hmm. And so I got kicked out of the box over and over and over because these people had not responded to multiple other practitioners to multiple other surgeries. It was just, um, you know, and when, and they found me no matter where I lived Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that I was kind of the full stop. (coughs) 
And I was introduced also fairly early in my career to the concept of decompressing the vagus nerve Mm. at the base of the skull. And I'll Mm. talk in a minute about what the vagus nerve does. And it's really a magical technique. And even though, even when you can rationalize it through all the good applied anatomy and science, it really is just a fantastic portal to treating patients' bodies because it has so such a wide array of effects. We know that trauma always affects the voice and the breath and your vocal cords and your diaphragm are horizontally oriented in the body. So we have this system of structures that are horizontally oriented in the body at which also I find the vagus nerve can get compressed. And so when I talk about flow, it's really about not having that internal flow, mm-hmm. that these horizontal mm-hmm. thresholds in the body sort of act like dams and that they keep not only your vagus nerve compressed, but they can exert arterial compression, venous compression, lymphatic compression. And this is very consistent with the Chinese medicine concept of qi and how qi mm-hmm. flows in the body. And it's and it definitely limits energetic flow as well. And so your vagus nerve goes all the way from your brainstem down to your pelvis. It innervates your vocal cords, your heart, and your digestive system. Mm-hmm. When it goes down to your heart, it then loops back up to go to your vocal cords. So I like to think of it as the nerve that allows us to speak our hearts. Mm, Cool. And we have more connections going from our hearts up to our brains than we do from our brains down to our heart. So your vagus nerve is an integral part of your heart brain, an integral part of your gut brain. It's absolutely essential to having good, clear intuition. Mm -hmm. You know, our gut senses, how our hearts assess things. And when we experience trauma, and trauma is well understood to be held at some level in the vagus nerve, you know, that your vagus nerve function is a measure of trauma or can be a measure of trauma at some level. And it certainly is associated with your vagus nerve is associated with some freeze responses as well. And when, and I would say, that your vagus nerve itself gets traumatized. And when you Mm -hmm. take the mechanical pressure off of your vagus nerve, it opens up all sorts of possibilities. I routinely treat vagus nerve compression at the base of the skull for people that have knee and ankle problems because Mm -hmm. it completely changes their biomechanics and it uses the same neurotransmitter that your muscles do. So that's really where I come from, from, like in a, in a clinical sense. And I've spent a lot of years collecting letters after my name. So I have a string of credentials. And we just talked again off record, uh, but I think it's worth highlighting or it's very valuable to highlight that you are a USC graduate, where you went to grad school. Yes. And I, yes. And I have been grateful every day for 25 years for my USC education. (laughs) Like, honestly, (laughs) like it was, I, you know, I, uh, like really every day. It was really just extraordinary. Yeah. I have a couple of physical therapists that will love to listen to this podcast that work out of my uh, private training studio here in Los Angeles that are USC graduates. Um, and I mean, USC, if anybody doesn't know, you know, you are in the world of academia, they are, they have a high standard and a high quality of education and just their acceptance rates are are very low relative to the to the enrollment uh, or applications that come in every year. So you have to be at the top of your game and you got to understand And I love what, you know, LA brings to just the, the area of the science and whatnot. You're exposed to a lot of out of the box thinkers, although you may get a very structured science approach to the curriculum and having your degree, but you're exposed to other individuals that are within your circle of influence. Again, the LA region and areas here that, broaden your your viewpoints and perspectives on how to heal or correct or uh, facilitate uh, healing uh, on a, a much deeper and broader level. Would you yeah, agree with that? A- absolutely. I was the last master's class before they switched to a doctorate in physical therapy. 
Mm-hmm. And so all of the best physical therapists in Los Angeles were getting their transitional DPT degrees so they could teach the new incoming DPT students. And so my teaching assistants were amazing. It was an absolutely amazing group of men and women that I got Mm. the opportunity to learn from. And many of them are still still there. And it definitely, I, I came out of PT school with a pretty good sense of how to look at somebody head to toe. And it has just paid off over and over so many times. And what I realized in working with patients and really listening to them was how what was happening inside of their bodies was very metaphoric for what was happening in their personal lives and in their businesses. And I read Caroline Mace's Anatomy of the Spirit years ago, and she takes the seven chakras from Eastern medicine and the seven sacraments in Christianity and 10 Seferot's, I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Seferot's from the Kabbalah and matches them all up. And I used that information as to dig into uh, people that, to the reasons that people weren't getting better very often. For, for example, your first chakras, she says, is about your relationship with your tribe. And so if somebody came to me with a knee issue, especially a persistent one, I would bring that up or I would ask them about their relationships or, and and people just, when you're working with them one-on-one and touching their bodies, especially it's a very intimate experience and they just Mm -hmm. often start dumping information on you Mm -hmm. anyway. (laughs) And so. I've, I've had that experience and it's important, I think to a degree that, you know, you help release certain things and that emotional energy uh, that's tied up there, you know, it's helping the process of giving the person an outlet. Absolutely. And, and medically, we know that stress is 75 to 90% of all disease and dysfunction, but we don't really define that very specifically. Mm. We might say that meditation is good for it because of the effects it has on the telomeres of your DNA and the effects it has on your vagus nerve and, things like that. But it's not really, uh, we don't really have a system for evaluating stress on a deeper level that's really accessible to the collective Mm -hmm. or that's out there on a big scale. And when I moved to New Orleans and started my own practice, I branded myself as a stress management expert, primarily because of my understanding of the vagus nerve and how to decompress some of these horizontal structures in the body. And then my life really started falling apart. And Mm. I was, I had some foot pain and my blood pressure got really high. And, you know, I thought I was taking good care of myself. My marriage was starting to struggle and I had someone bring a professional lawsuit against me. And so it was really from all sides that it was, you know, it was starting to crumble and concurrent with this, because I, you know, because I had my own office and without the distractions of a busy clinic and that I had been in for, like I had been in for many years, I really started to get more intuitive downloads or my intuition about what was happening with people would get creepily accurate. Mm. And when I started describing what I was seeing in my mind's eye, sometimes I would get the response of, oh, you're describing my grandmother and that's what we buried her in. Mm. And that was not like in my wheelhouse, you know, not knowingly (laughs) in my wheelhouse. I mean, I'll say I've always Mm -hmm. probably been pretty intuitive, you know, but I, 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 I thought my logic and my intuition were the same thing. I just thought when mm. I was being being intuitive before that, I was being logical. And those two things really got peeled apart. And so in the midst of all of this and then figuring out how to make my practice more true to myself, rather than to just say, oh, here I'm this physical therapist, stress management expert with all these letters and vagus nerve. And my patients would tell you that they really like the soft skills that I have. 
And they know that if something's really wrong, they'll t- I will be able to tell them not to mess around with it. <laughs> you know, mm. that I've got, you know, enough of the medical background to be like, no, 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 this is not, you know, you really need to follow up with this with your doctor that, you know, this is not a small, this needs more checking out. This isn't a small thing. And so, but it was very stressful. And for a while, it was very much like putting a square peg in a round hole. And my body and my life was exhibiting that stress, you know, embodying that stress as well. And in hindsight, I will tell you, it was all, uh, uh, I mean, it was like having the lid unscrewed Mm and, and, and for what I will now say is, has been such an amazing blessing in a place I never thought I would be in a place that really, really feeds my soul. Mm -hmm. And that those traumas and stressors were really initiations but I ended up taking a couple steps back to figure out how I was going to make this fit and really to work mm-hmm. on myself because the lawsuit especially brought up a lot of my own self-worth issues. And and I thought, well, if I lose my license, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? <laughs> and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that there, and I didn't think that was necessarily going to be the outcome of it. But, uh, you know, and in the end, I will tell you that I all the work I did on myself, I think, completely paid off because the lawsuit got dropped. That I did mm-hmm. the work, you know, and energetically was really able to shift that. And, but in the process of scaling back and t- to work on myself and to do some reading and figure out how to reimagine my practice in a new way, I did some reading and learned that mythology, among many things, was a mode of communicating science. So, for example, all of the, or I don't know if it's all of them, but the, many of the numbers of the Earth's processional cycle are in the myth of Isis and Osiris, which is one of the mm-hmm. oldest Egyptians, Egyptian myths. They think it may have even come from a pre-Egyptian culture. And there are other major myths from other cultures that have those same numbers mm. in them. And my first thought with that with that was, oh, I wonder what's 23 and a half degrees from the midline of the body because the earth right now is at, a, at about a 23 and a half degree tilt. And so I pulled out my anatomy books and where the vagus nerve exits the base of the skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where the spinal cord exits the base of the skull. Mm, interesting. And, and I know just from my biomechanical knowledge that normal rotation between your first and second cervical vertebrae is 47 degrees to each side. Mm-hmm. And there's, so that's twice 23 and a half. And then there's also 47 degrees between the pole stars that our earth points towards over thousands of years. And the anterior cruciate ligament sits at an average 47 degree angle of inclination in the knee as well. And so, and there's other angles, but I had, you know, I could totally match some of these angles to uh, anatomical joints. Mm -hmm. And research shows that when solar and space weather disrupts the electromagnetic field of the earth, it's measurable in our vagus nerves. Mm. And and because the vagus nerve innervates the heart, it is involved in creating the electromagnetic field of the heart, which is a measurable thing. And it's our strongest electromagnetic field. So we're literally syncing with the bigger picture all the time. And I, it was very easy for me to understand just through my experience that when those angles are not right in people's bodies, they are less likely to feel well. Mm-hmm. And not very long after I learned this, I did a free stress management thing online. It was about, it was December. It was just before the holidays a number of years ago. And the, and I had been studying astrology just to figure out what was happening with myself. And the, I have a favorite picture in my, one of my anatomy books that I've shown to people for on and off for 20 years, you know, more than 20 years, probably. I didn't have them in PT school, but I got them for a set of courses I took afterwards. And it's a compilation of MRI images to give you a 3D picture of what the ventricles of the brain look like. And the Mm -hmm. ventricles in your brain make cerebral spinal fluid. And 
so after I did the online course, I thought, oh, I'll put that image on my social media. And when I opened the book again to look at it, it was striking to me how much it looked exactly like the ram's horns that represent Aries. Mm. And in astrology, Aries rules the head. And so then I was all lit up. I was like, oh, where's the rest of it? And sure enough, the way your hyoid bone in your throat sits on top of your larynx looks just like the symbol for Taurus and Taurus rules the throat. And the aortic arch is the same shape as a symbol for Leo and Leo rules the heart. And our kidneys sit in our low back very much like a set of scales. And Libra, the sign of the scale, rules the kidneys. And beyond that, uh, the kidneys are a prime example of how powerful this is because, at least in the United States, the populations with the highest levels of social injustice, you know, and here justice, we have the scales of justice. Justice is also uh, represented by scales. The populations mm-hmm. with the highest level of social injustice also have the highest levels of kidney disease. Mm-hmm. And so we really, imb- so the stress of social injustice lives in the kidneys. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, has a strong mm-hmm. influence there. And so as a stress management expert, then you, like I've used the story to help people connect because we connect with story more than we do with process. Sure. And the difference between acute, subacute pain and chronic pain is that chronic pain gets locked into your limbic system, which is where your emotions are. And you cannot logic yourself out of your limbic system. Mm-hmm. You need an emotional key to get it out of there. And all of the leading pain science experts will tell you that they get really excited when somebody cries or gets angry when they explain pain to them because mm. they know they're going to get better because they've moved that emotion. They've started to unlock their limbic system. Mm-hmm. And then I've turned all of this into a form of energy medicine that I teach other healthcare practitioners um, and coaches as well. Amazing. So, this is the first podcast, and I think this is episode 113 that I haven't spoken in like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a, that's not a, I'm not saying that as a neg or anything bad, but it's because I'm so intrigued by this, uh, you know, the relationship of, uh, you know, like hard science, right? Uh, you know, anatomy and physiology and biomechanics what you learn in, in physical therapy school and fast forward to astrology and bridging the gap between those two and finding a new space for healing and just feeling better. So I have, you know, so many questions and, 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 you know, first I'd like to go back to physical therapy school, uh, you know, a couple of steps back in physical therapy school, you were just thought you were taught hard science when you were learning this and, and understanding it, did it feel like there was more to do? Like what were, I'm trying to like tap into some of your thought processes there because it's a relationship that I think a lot of people can relate to. It's like, where do I want to go? Like I'm, I'm, I know perhaps I'm on the right path now, but there's more for me or I want to do more or, um, there, you know, it's just, I don't feel complete, uh, or fulfilled. Right. So what, what, what could have you been experiencing at that time? Was there anything in a relationship or a possibility that you ever projected on yourself that you could see yourself where you were today or today? Oh, um, <clears throat> well, I, I think that I, at some level, I just sparked my own ever evolution. I did not, um, I don't think I ever really outgrew my inner three-year-old that wants to know why everything mm. happens. And so in that, and in, in the thrill of the game I played with myself all along, like, I don't know that I could have seen this in, well, actually I will tell, I will tell you a story from physical therapy school that seemed that was very powerful for me and very much like magic. My instructor, Beth Fisher, who's still there, uh, and she taught our neuro class or clinical 
class. And she had this amazing video of uh, a student that she had taped in a, and she had taped the student's hip in a posture that stroke patient's hips get stuck in. And so when somebody has a stroke that affects one side of their body, their pelvis will get stuck, elevated, and usually pulled back on that side. And then often their foot turns in. So it creates this whole, it's called an extensor pattern. So it creates, you know, their knee will lock out and their foot will turn in and point. And it makes it very difficult for them to walk. And Beth taped this student from a couple of years before I was there in this posture and had her walk across the room and her foot, which wasn't taped, did the exact same thing that a stroke patient's foot classically does. And then she brought her arm into it and her arm didn't have any tape Mm -hmm. on it. And she brought her arm into the classic stroke flexor position. And so that, tape that she had placed at the pelvis had this head to toe effect in a very negative way, but in a way mm-hmm. on somebody who was neurologically intact, mm-hmm. but it biased them to have to walk like a stroke patient. Mm-hmm. And so that was really mind blowing for me. Yeah. I can imagine that's, that's really cool. And if you're, yeah, if you're studying, like you're in that space and you see that happen, for no rhyme or reason, the inter interconnected relationship between, you know, the nervous system, the mind and the muscles and skeletal system, the kinetic chain, if you will, um, is, is miraculous. As Absolutely. You said. Yeah. And so Beth had many videos of this working with brain injury patients and things like that. And really like, uh, like, like loose mobilizing their ankles so that they could stand up more easily and, you know, doing a lot of things that would just completely change the way that they moved. And a lot of it was using orthopedic skills on neuropatients. Mm. And it was just imprinted on me very early that, um, and I say this in the most loving way that my orthopedic patients were kind of motor morons, you know, that you got injured mm. because of some, they're un, of some uncoordination, some coordination problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and that, totally. and that you're, Neuropatients have these orthopedic limitations because classically you had orthopedies and you had neuropedies and they didn't always play together, mm-hmm. you know, or like right. they was considered two very different skill sets. When so, in reality, they're they're very interconnected. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's become more and more popular in recent years. But in yes. 1994 to 1996, that was not the main way of thinking among physical therapists or personal trainers or anything, you know, like the neuro piece did not really live so much in the orthopedic world. Right. And so, yeah, I think that was very um, significant for me to, to see that there was that one little spot could have such a huge impact on the whole body and the game that I've played with myself with clients for years, because when you, when you get somebody with chronic pain or a longstanding issue, they have biomechanical dysfunction head to toe. And you can often make yourself a little crazy as a clinician trying to problem solve through all of that, because there can be many, many area things that are limited. And, but I always challenged myself to find, see what one or two or three things could I do that would make 10 or 20 or 30 things better. Mm-hmm. And that's where the vagus nerve is just really so powerful and, and seemingly magical mm-hmm. at times that you just get, and it uses the same neurotransmitter that your muscles do. So you get these beautiful musculoskeletal shifts with it. And it, and I recognize that this has been all about decompressing my own vagus nerve. Like I can tell the Mm -hmm. whole story of my own vagus nerve compression now and getting it. Well, that's what I, I kind of wanted to get into the vagus nerve because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are very intrigued about that. Um, If you're not aware of the vagus nerve, can you tell us what its relationship is with the body and nervous system and then how 
and what you do to manipulate it so that it can become uh, released and, and decompressed, sure. as you said. Yeah. So your vagus nerve, it's your 10th cranial nerve, which just means it comes out of your brainstem. We have 12 cranial nerves that come out of our brainstem. And it goes all the way from your brainstem down to your pelvis. It is, like I said earlier, it innervates your vocal cords, your heart, and your digestive system. But it is mostly sensory. It gives information from almost all of your organs up to your brain. In your digestive system, it's involved in digestive enzyme secretion and bile secretion. You cannot absorb vitamin B12 without your vagus nerve. Uh, it innervates the, the muscles of your digestive system. So issues like constipation and diarrhea are very uh, vagus-centric. Related. Often mm -hmm. as well, yeah. In women, the vagus nerve goes into the cervix. And there is some research that shows that women with complete spinal cord injuries, meaning that they have no function below the level of their injury, can achieve orgasm with vagus nerve stimulation at the cervix because it's outside of the spinal cord. So it hasn't been damaged. So your vagus nerve is also very involved in in pleasure. And we're all really familiar with our vagus nerves when we've gone to do public speaking or something that makes us similarly nervous. And we get a lump in our throat and our palms sweat and our hearts race and our stomachs feel funny because that means our vagus nerves have been dialed down and our fight and flight system has been dialed up. Our sympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system is taken over. And the, in the research, uh, well, I'll say one more thing and just on basic vagus nerve function, how well your vagus nerve functions is measured. Uh, the gold standard measure for that is called heart rate variability. And it's a well-established medical measure that has more than 200,000 research articles on it. And when, how well your vagus nerve functions in patients with pancreatic cancer has predictive value for how long they will live. So there's definitely a strong immune component to it also. And 70% of our immune systems are in our gut and your vagus nerve innervates your gut. So particularly in this time of COVID, it's really valuable, I think, to take care of your vagus nerve, even if the research just isn't explicitly there to say mm -hmm. that it helps with virus and bacteria, but your, your vagus nerve mediates inflammation. And any kind of infection is going to create an inflammatory response. And so I think it's just good applied anatomy and physiology to take care of your vagus nerve, especially right now with in the midst of the pandemic. In the research, they'll put a, uh, they'll often use electrical stimulation on the vagus nerve to see what it does. And electro, electrical stimulation on the vagus nerve reverses the mitochondrial defects deep in the cells that go with heart disease. Mm -hmm. And there's some research that shows that it uh, improves insulin resistance. And uh, your vagus which nerve... Will help with type, which, which will help with type 2 diabetes. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And there's, I, I'm not sure that that study has been done in humans yet, but I believe that's a mouse study that they found that it mm -hmm. helped with the insulin resistance. When, and when paired with an auditory stimulus, vagus nerve stimulation remaps your cortex, which is the highest level of our brains. It's what differentiates us from other humans, from other animals. And, and there's some evidence that uh, vagus nerve stimulation also puts you kind of into a flow state that it creates that hypofrontality that I talked about earlier being the neuroscience mm -hmm. aspect of um, or definition of flow. Of flow, yeah. And so it's a, you know, in general, if your vagus nerve is functioning better, every, you know, things are going to get better. And I, I know, uh, there's an electrocardiology group that's mapping the vagus nerve because they know that they don't know what it all does. And when I 
talked to one of them a while ago. He said, I think we're going to think in the future that our in cardiology that they're because they'll do vagus nerve ablations as uh to help with heart arrhythmias you know and those are obviously very serious issues but he says he told me he said i think we're going to think what we're doing now in 20 years was really barbaric Mm, interesting so when you um so the vagus nerve is it superficial uh, is it something that you can palpate and touch and feel? How do you release it? Is it releasing certain structures, yeah, muscles so of, the, of the neck, spine area that will help to decompress it? It is most superficial at the level of the neck by your larynx, but it's mm-hmm. not really directly palpable as a separate structure. It exits the base of the skull between your temporal bone, which is under your ears, your right and left temporal bone, Uh, bones are under your ears and your occipital bone, which is the back of your head. And so, uh, and for anybody that's listening, if you go to embodyyourstar.com and put in your email address, it will send you a free vagus nerve decompression course. And it goes through head to toe evaluation and treatment. One of the things that I'll teach for decompressing the vagus nerve at the base of the skull is to grab on to the tragus of the ear and the tragus is the tab that if you didn't want to hear somebody, you would push over your ear hole so that you couldn't <laughs> hear anything. Mm-hmm. And it's to grab those tabs, each one between your thumb and index finger. And very gently, you're not going to be able to generate a lot of force, nor should you, you you're thinking maybe a pound of force, you know, the, mm-hmm. like a very gentle sustained stretch, but you pull the right ear to the right and the left one to the left just kind of like you're unwrapping a piece of bubble gum or piece of taffy and hold it for 45 or 60 seconds. I usually say in in the research, 45 to 60 seconds gives you the best connective collagen stretch. And I always feel like if I say 60, maybe somebody will do 35 or 40. (laughs) So the, but a long gentle stretch is better than a, and it's better than a, a, uh, an intense shorter duration stretch, Mm -hmm. but literally just pulling the tabs of your ears out to the side on each side can be Mm -hmm. really profound. And there are more advanced techniques that I teach in workshops and uh, one-on-one as well. At the level of the larynx, I'll often just use a voice exercise and that can correct it as well Mm. because you're um, and sound is an incredible tool. Uh, I was going to, I was going to mention that because uh, there's, uh, you know, movement now um, sound healing, uh, Mm -hmm. which I had uh, an extraordinary experience probably nine years ago with uh, uh, different types of uh, kind of symbols and and gongs and stuff that somebody had brought into a room, and we went through this uh, spiritual uh, healing opportunity through sound, and it was profound. I mean, like just like almost brought tears to your to your yeah. eyes, just through really an amazing experience of release. So, and I, and I've heard of the relationship with sound healing and and different types of. Uh, vagus nerve releases and uh, ways of emotional uh, and cathartic releases as well. So absolutely singing. Yes. Singing and verbalizing at any level is going to be a vagus nerve exercise because you're, Mm -hmm. because the vagus nerve innervates your vocal cords. So whenever you're vocalizing, you're going to be stimulating your vagus nerve. I use sound a little bit more through linguistics I guess. So one of the things I like to do, um, so in the way that I look at anatomy through archetype, like in the way that the anatomy of the throat looks very much like the symbol for Taurus, the bull. And there's an Egyptian myth of the Apis Osiris bull that describes laryngeal anatomy in quite a bit of detail. And the Egyptian hieroglyph for bull is the syllable ka, so ka so i will sometimes have people chant ka and i'll do that in using a fibonacci number sequence because that's the math of 
nature. It's how the solar system rotates. It's the math of flower petals and hurricanes. And it's the math of our, how our faces are shaped, you know, and the, the length of our finger, hand and finger bones to our forearm bones, to our arm bones. So that geometry is really built into us. So I'll have people inhale for a count of five, hold their breath for a count of eight, and then sound for a count of 13 or as long as they can. Hebrew is really fun to use because Hebrew letters each have a numerical value. And Hebrew functions a little bit more like a code. And I suspect Sanskrit and other ancient languages are very much like this too. The so the for example in Hebrew, the word for pregnancy adds up to 270, and a normal pregnancy is about 270 days. And their words for color and time mathematically correspond to the frequencies of color and time in Hertz. So it's really amazing how these sort of mathematical synchronicities that go with Hebrew and yom is the word for day. And sometimes when somebody has a restriction in their head, I will have them chant yom. I did this in a workshop. I taught a uh, uh, thespian, a high school thespian workshop about, well, it was just before in January before everything shut down and we did uh and so and they loved you know working with the bull in their throat but we did i had them uh after i took them through some vagus nerve exercises i said who's still limited and uh, i treated three of them and anyway one of them had uh her neck was super tight and i had the whole room do it we inhaled for a count of three held for a count or inhaled for five held for eight and we exhaled yam so really young, long, yum. And her neck was completely free at the end of it. Mm. And her, her biomechanical dysfunction was gone. And it was super fun. And, and, and super it, magical too. It's when super you can do magical. Like that without even touching them and people exactly. themselves, it becomes, it's like hard to imagine unless you're there and witness it. Yes, oh, absolutely. And so, and they were so cute. Like, and, like, and then I had groupies for the rest of the week because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they were, they were really cute about it. But I think, so I use sound very prescriptively. Like I've called my process story prescription and I think, mm-hmm. the, you know, and I, you know, so I use sound in that same kind, you know, if I'm going to prescribe a sound, I'm going to make it relevant for the part of the, the archetypal aspect of the part of their body with which they're having difficulty. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I also work with people like artists and entrepreneurs that are trying to up-level their performance as well. So when the vagus nerve gets compressed at the base of the skull, that's when your heroics and your desires are at odds with each other. Mm. When you're um, being the hero in someone else's story at the expense of your own or satisfying everybody else's desires at the expense of your own or don't know what it is even that you really want. This sounds like my story <laughs> <laughs> to, a, to a degree. Yeah. And I'm yeah. Sure a lot of people listening could identify with that, but that's a, a very big part of my story because that's, I love helping people at the, often the expense of sacrificing my own values or interests or beliefs to compromise so that I can help and serve somebody else and make them feel better. So in in that case, not to put you on the spot. So maybe perhaps is there a lesson or a tweak or something that you can share and do with me now so that we can all witness this together that might sure. yeah, create a aha moment. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Give me a minute. I'm going to just kind of do my little energetic assessment on you just to see where. um, Do you need more light? No, you're good. You're good. Good. Yeah. All right. It's getting dark here. So. Okay. So if you look down a little bit, just like 45, 50 degrees, and then slowly turn your head to the right. I just want to see how far. And now turn your head to the left. 
Right. So you go quite a bit further to the left. Is that? Yeah, that's probably an accurate assessment. It looks from here. Yeah. So I would say that tells me that your C1 on your C2 are not, are not moving well mm -hmm. together. And that should be more, should be more symmetrical. And so, and we call the, our C1 vertebrae is called the Atlas. Mm -hmm. And you know, Atlas was punished by Zeus to hold up the celestial spheres, to stand mm -hmm. on the edge of the earth and hold up the celestial spheres. And, you know, it's really, um, you know, so those like weight of the world on our shoulders mm -hmm. kinds of things will show up there. And, you know, I think from a sound perspective, we could probably just use the syllable ah, just because we have atlas, axis and atlas and ah, you know, and like, you know, if you, um, if people do an ohm, I'm a big fan of emphasizing like A-U-M, doing it like ah, ohm, so you get all three sounds mm. in there. But um, let me ask you this. Do you have trouble sleeping? No. No. Um, all right. We'll tell you what. Let's. I'll. Let's just go with Yom since we talked about that. Okay. Well, that, what's interesting about that is my dog's name is Yama. Oh, interesting. Which means, which means mountain in Japanese. And yeah. My wife is Japanese, so uh, when we call her, like we need a, you know, that short. We go Yam, come. Yeah, no, so, I love that. Yeah. I lived in Japan for several years, so I'm a huge oh, cool fan. So of, you know, yam, you know the word yama. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, mountain. So, um, yeah. So if you, so you can sound if you want, or I can just fix it for you from here if you like. Let's live <laughs> whatever. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's roll. Yeah. All right. So if, um, so your atlas feels like kind of tilted sideways to me. So, you know, and, and my, um, so I'll usually work to kind of level it out. Like there, it starts to feel better to me. Okay. So now repeat that looking down and turning your head to the right. Repeat yum. No, you don't have to repeat the syllable. Just turn, like, turn oh. your head right and left. I'm just curious to see what that oh, did. I, I'm sorry. Okay, and go to the right one more time. That's a little bit better than it was. What does it feel to mm. you? Yeah, looser. A little bit looser. Yeah. I so then you compare yeah. it, put a sound with it. So let's try that. So just yum. you know, inhale. Yep, and do a long yum. Yum. I usually have people do three of them to yeah yeah okay and then go ahead and reassess again see how your neck feels that's definitely further than you were going. Mm, yeah, it is actually. I can see like I'm <laughs> using my eyes. I can look further. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and so, I mean, that was super easy and. Yeah. Well, and just so everybody just listening, we're also looking at each other as well. We're video. Yes. This is video as well. So um, she's not doing this by, by sense, but uh, really interesting. I love that. I mean, I, it's, you know, I've learned in uh, also my science studies and how I help and heal and get people out of uh, a state that they're in is exactly what we just did there, like a state change, right? I call it. So changing mm -hmm. their physiology by getting them excited, interactive, like creating a, an experience rather than just, you know, when I work with people, it's not a, a workout. It's not a program. Um, it's a, an experience because it's an interaction and I, I, I help them. It's just could be, you know, uh, a physical movement, or it could be a, a vocal 
sound or, uh, you know, release. Um, or I use a tool that you might be aware of called a power plate, whole body vibration mm -hmm. that uses, you talked about Hertz earlier, vibrations yeah. and frequencies. And I get people on that to start uh, their workout where, again, it changes their state. I've never used a tool that had that I've had so many aha moments in, in a matter of seconds by getting somebody on that the first time we're like, Whoa, you know, I mean, it's instant state change. We're like, Whoa, what's, what is this? What is it doing? You know, and it yeah. you know, creates this, you know, this opportunity for coaching. But, um, I love that. Like, you know, that what we just did there, the, um, and just the moving, um, and your physical, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like your, your, uh, physical assessment assessment. Yeah, no, I do a little assessment. energy assessment. I work with my yeah. hands up to the screen because, because I'm just right. well practiced. I have eyes in my hands kind of that, yeah. you know, <laughs> your energy work. assessment there is a state change mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, for, for my understanding. So that, that feels great. And I think exercise, you know, going back to physical therapy or movement or, or flow, right. It's all, it's energy and, and it's movement, uh, whether it's from your voice or your body, your limbs, however it looks, it's movement through time and space. And that's the opportunity that I love, you know, creating for people. And it also sounds like you're, you're doing, oh, absolutely, yeah. you're doing that too. Yes. Well, and when you treat, you know, like giving them, giving people an experience is really where is really the magic of all of it, because what I've learned is that when you treat somebody's physical body, sometimes their story will change. And acute mm. medicine does a great job of this. Like you break your leg, they set your leg, your heart stops, they restart your heart. You know, they treat your story really well. Chronic care medicine doesn't do this quite as well. And when you treat somebody's story, their physical body will always change. Mm-hmm. Because we're all built into a story. I, I, we're, we're meaning making machines and we create stories that are oftentimes not true or you absolutely. Know, exaggerated. Ab absolutely. And like, and to have a, you know, so what I teach is, you know, I give people kind of a toolbox to work through story. And, and it's beautiful that it doesn't just work with, uh, like the Greco Roman Western astrology myths you know it works mm -hmm. through the egyptian myths the vedas all describe aspects of our anatomy ganesh lives on the underside of the brain where the cerebellum are the ears of ganesh he's an elephant headed deity and the brainstem is his trunk mm. and we have structures even deep within our cells that are all the same shapes of the constellations mm. like atp made by the mitochondria that's our energy is basically the same shape as the Aries constellation. Hmm. And cytoplasm is the same shape as the cancer mm -hmm. constellation. And so there's, uh, you know, we really are, are, you know, we have this internal cosmology and, you know, and, you know, realize too, my background is in treating people that haven't responded to other things, you know? So when people mm -hmm. come to me that haven't, you know, like they come to me for those out of the box solutions yeah. and it's such an incredible but privilege. But do you still use, and I don't mean to interrupt real quick, but do yeah, you still okay. use traditional forms? Sometimes. Of absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Abs absolutely. There's a couple, like I, I will usually refer out, I, I will teach them some exercises. I usually refer out if they really want someone to stand over them and count their exercises. Mm -hmm. The, but absolutely there's uh a technique for tennis elbow and, and also a, a technique for mobilizing the cuboid bone in the foot that I've, mm. I can't remember if I learned them in P I know the elbow one I learned after PT school, but they're, but I've used for a long time and they're great techniques. They work like magic and they're, mm -hmm. and they're more mainstream, you know, they're more standard orthopedic techniques. So there are times when I absolutely will just pull out the, uh, the good old standard Cool. toolbox as well. And, you know, we're, like our, we, we're physical beings and our bodies speak in physical ways. And so, you know, and sometimes getting rid of the physical limitation is the fastest place to then way to then dig into the stress and what's underneath that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, in, in, in just kind of in closing, um, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the, of their time here. What is it that 
you want our audience to know and understand in leaving this conversation that you and I have had that they might not understand yet. Mm. Or that we haven't necessarily been clear. What is the overarching underlying lesson learned? We all have a physical expression of our internal narrative. And we have an internal expression of our physical narrative. And it's the rub between those two things that creates any compression point. Mm. Beautiful. Very elegantly said and to the point. That was awesome. Yeah, very well. I mean, it could almost sounded like that we we planned that, but we didn't. Because <laughs> no. well, it's a... You, I'm sure you've used that before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think that there's, you know, I mean, I've, I've got lots of <laughs> short uh, pieces of wisdom like that, but I think, you know, but you like, it's matching our internal story with our external story. That's everybody's challenge and something that everybody mm-hmm. can relate to. And, you know, just know that whatever's happening inside of you is, you know, your body is not just your, your subconscious, it's your, it's your conscious, it's your consciousness too. And it's talking to you. And, you know, for those that are listening and, 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 you know, um, this is an out of the box thought process. This is something that you you, you should and could experience on a, a minor level uh, or a greater level. You don't necessarily have to be in pain to experience the, the benefits of this as well. So um, I want you know, people to understand that this, isn't have, this doesn't necessarily have to do with getting out of pain. Um, it, it could also, and I, I believe that it just helps you get into, like we talked about flow, free your flow. And um, I, I love that that space and opportunity, because when we are in flow, we are at our best, right? There's, you're, you're in a state of congruency with mind, body, spirit, universe, that there isn't any stopping when you're in that flow state. So, um, you know, you don't have to be in pain to have the benefits of, of, of using techniques like this, or, uh, enlisting Melanie into your, into your life. Um, do you do coaching? Uh, virtually or I do the New Orleans area? Yes, I do work virtually and I have a couple things in, um, I teach health. So I do, yes, I do work virtually with individuals. I uh, teach my my work to healthcare professionals and other allied health professionals uh, and coaches as well. And my uh, next thing that I'm putting together is a uh, decision-making course, you know, to really use these Vegas nerve principles and these story principles to, um, to learn how to, to use them in decision-making. That's something I've taught with my clients a lot because when, by the time they, if they come to me, by the time they're in pain, they've already, their body's been screaming no, and they've not been listening for a long time but and i think but in the business world like understanding how this uh how it's very powerful to use this to for decision making and business especially has a really unique ability to keep people out of the doctor's office in the first place by really understanding how um our day-to-day stresses live in the body and creating an environment that then supports that and allows those things to move so they don't get stuck. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I agree with that. We don't want to be stuck. We want to keep moving. We want to be in flow. Um, Melanie, it's been an enlightening and uh, very eye-opening and spirit-opening opportunity to speak with you and have you here on the show. Learn more about this relationship between uh, physical therapy, if you will, and bridging the gap between astrology. Um, my, my physical therapists that I work with, uh, again, are going to love this episode. I'm sure they're going to share it again because they're USC graduates. So they're, you know, part of your tribe. And uh, to, uh, we, we talk a lot about 
bridging the gap between physical therapy and fitness. And that's what I've been uh, mm -hmm. very good at functional training over the past 25 yeah. years. And that's where I've honed my expertise in. Um, but this is just another level um, that I'm interested in. And I've uh, I shared with you again off the, the recording that I'm in line with you know, the, the spirit and metaphysics of life and the universe um, and its relationship with ourselves. So um, I've had my astrology read a few times. I've seen psychics and, you know, there is something there that uh, I just couldn't explain that they were able to do see and tell them like, what? Like brought the tears. Like, there's no way. Like, how, yeah. how do you, how do you know this? There's, there's, it's impossible. There's, you know, just something. And so I believe yeah. that people have a gift and you have a gift that I want to acknowledge and, uh, you know, bring that honor to know you and share in your space like that and, and, and be on your team to share with the world, your gifts and benefit to benefit the world. So thank you. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. I'm it's, uh, I so appreciate this platform to use my be able to use my voice and spread my message as well. My, uh, my karmic backstory and childhood trauma are all about lost voice. So it's mm. like, so this is all very healing for me. And I, um, and I'm very grateful for it. Awesome. Well, you're doing an awesome job of it. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, until next time, stay healthy and fit. For more information or support on how you can be healthy and fit, visit my website at stevejordan.com or follow me on Instagram at stevejordanlifestyle. Subscribe to I Am Healthy and Fit wherever you are listening so you don't miss any future episodes that could better your health and fitness. One last favor, friends. Please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Your rating and comments not only help my podcast reach more people, but you could literally be saving someone's life who found it because of your feedback. Thanks again for listening and stay healthy and fit.